Are you tired of stressing out about your marketing? Wondering how to boost your online presence, attract more clients, and become a go-to expert in your field? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Marketing Chat Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm a marketing strategist, podcast coach, and the best-selling author of the Podcast Launch Playbook. I'm here to help you get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Employee turned unlikely entrepreneur, Jason Wojo first came to life and air as a founding titanium student in 2009. On the surface, he looked successful. He had a PhD from Duke, a well-paying secure job, a new home in a gated community, and all the trappings associated with living the dream. But inside, he knew that something was wrong. There had to be more to life than this, he thought. He was in debt, stressed, unfulfilled, overworked, and desperate to live on his own terms. With the help of Life and Air, Jason was able to redesign and rebuild his entire life from scratch and discover the true meaning of fulfillment and success. His passion and zeal for the Life and Air message and philosophy led him to become a coach and speaker. While Jason had previously sworn off ever having a real job again, he took on the role of CEO of Life and Air in an effort to lead the company in its mission of revealing abundant living to a dying culture. Welcome, Jason. I'm so happy to have you here today. I am super excited to be speaking with you and share with your audience. This This is fantastic. Awesome. So can you start out by telling us a little about your background? Yeah. So real funny. Um, I am fully in business now. I run a company called Life and Air as CEO, and I was not at all prepared or trained or groomed for this. I was trained as a scientist, actually. <gasps> Went to school for 15 years. I ended up... This is, this is insane. I don't use my degree at all directly now, but I got two bachelor's degrees, a master's and a PhD, uh, only to find in my very first job that I did not like working for somebody else. You know, And I didn't... In what... What area? So this is, I was working in actually, this is kind of funny and it sounds way cooler than it really was. I was, I was working in biological and chemical warfare research and detection. <gasps> wow. <Yeah. laughs> well, biological. So I have a, a bachelor's in biological anthropology and oh, master's okay. in biology, but not oh, warfare. Kind of funny. <laughs> right, 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 right. And, but so, so, but no one in my family was a business owner. I didn't have any entrepreneurial blood in my, in my, uh, my genes. And so I didn't know what to do. And so at that point, I started investigating business, uh, real estate, entrepreneurship, finally was able to quit that job. And since that period of time, I've realized that I am just not somebody who can work for somebody else. And I'm, I'm unemployable, I guess, of sorts. And I think, I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners feel that way and they want to kind of pave their own path. And so here I am all these years later and I'm, and I'm running this company now that helps uh, and teaches other people to do the same thing. Mm. That's great. Yes. I have interviewed other entrepreneurs on here who have said that same thing about being proudly unemployable. And (laughs) that's that's a great word. I feel the same way. Yeah. The longer you work for yourself, the less employable. I don't think you can go back. Once you've been over the fence, I don't think you can go back. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. So tell me a little bit about what you do. Yeah. So, so our whole thing in life and air, and by the way, like, so this isn't, is not a company that I, that I founded. It was founded by Steve Cook, who actually was my coach that got me out of my job, out of my nine to five. And the whole thing with that was established back then, and we've taken it to the next level over the years, uh, as I've come on as a partner with him and, and lead trainer is like, let's figure out number one, 
what do you really like really tangibly granularly want your life to look like in every different area? And then, and only then, once we figure that out, now we'll talk about business because I think that's, it's counterintuitive to what most people do. Most people are like, and I, by the way, I was this way too. I was like, Hey, show me how to make money now. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll work the long hours. And more times than not, I see that get people off the track. They really, really want to go on because they haven't given it the thought that's necessary. And now we have to kind of rewind. And so we're like, no, let's, let's help you figure out life first. Mm -hmm. And then we'll figure out business. We'll, we'll talk about business and how to, how to make sure that that business serves your life rather than competes with it. That's great. And you're so right that especially entrepreneurs, we get into business, we are focused on what we're doing in our business. And in the early days, we work nonstop. I mean, so I've never had a nine to five job. I started mm. out as a marketing consultant and oh, just cool. worked for myself. And other people, you know, will leave a nine to five because they don't like the hours. They're tired of bringing work home. But then when we start our business, we end up working even more hours. <laughs> right. right. And you have, you have a bigger jerk boss who is you. Right. We don't pay ourselves. We don't give <laughs> right. ourselves time off. We work in, at night. We work on the weekends. We see less <laughs> of our families than we did before. Yes. Yes. Even though we do it because we want freedom. We want control I of our it. schedule. That's the irony, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're working harder than ever to achieve freedom and yet we're have less freedom than ever. And so that's yeah. the, that's the whole cycle that we try to break. Yes. So, and you just essentially explained it, but tell us why that happens. You know, what happens yeah. that we end up working so much more as you know, entrepreneurs? I, I think, I think there's a lot of reasons. Like, let's talk on some of, some of the most common ones. And I think, you know, your listeners may resonate with one or more of these. Number one, like, you know, there's a little bit of a fear uh, that, you know, what if I can't make it? What if I don't make it? What if this client doesn't sign up? What if this prospect doesn't convert? What if the market shifts? What All these what ifs. <laughs> and when you have food to put on the table, I get it. That That's a very real that's a, that's a reality, right? And so you have that combined with the the belief that, hey, you know, um, this is my baby and um, uh, no one cares about my business like I do. And so you feel the need to do it all yourself. Oftentimes, you know, most, and in fact, when I, when I look at most entrepreneurs or business owners, it's not really a business many times. They're, they're self-employed and they employ themselves. And what I like to make a distinction on regarding a business is like, hey, if this thing can run without you, or at least with minimal interaction and involvement, then, then you have something mm -hmm. because uh, what ha you know, if something happens to you or you want to just take a vacation and, and, and that, that, that could be a compromise that could be, that could be tough. So you, know, you got that along with the fact that I think a lot of times, many times entrepreneurs are, are driven personalities. And so they take everything to the extreme. And so, you know, they want to be good at it. Their identity gets wrapped up in it. They are successful and they enjoy the acknowledgement and the, and the fruits of those, uh, of their labors. And so I think it's, it's, it's very easy to take off like, and, the very, it's, it's, you said it, like the, the very thing that we want, which is freedom, we end up less free than ever. And mm -hmm. so I think it's, it's really, um, there's many, and well, here's another one too, is, is uh, I once had a student who was working 70 to 80 hour weeks, mm -hmm. every single week, seven days a week. And turns out in, in her case, she actually was, was trying to 
keep busy to not think about other fires in her life that were burning. <laughs> and oh, so wow. because of the working long, so that is the irony. It's like, you know, you fight with your spouse because you're working too much and how do you deal with it? Well, I'm going to work more so I don't have to talk to him. <laughs> like, right. That's not a plan. That's not going to work. And yeah. so, yeah, all these different reasons, I think all come together. And especially now where, you know, I work out of my house mm-hmm. and I love it, but at the same time, you, it's very easy for me to just go in the office and get some more stuff done and, and leave my family downstairs. And so like, yeah. I think it's, you got to really learn those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it can be tough for a lot of people who work at home to get mm. distracted by household, cho- household chores. Yeah. Oh, the dishes need to be done. Oh, the laundry needs to be done. I'll just make a quick trip to the grocery store. Now, those things honestly don't distract me because I would rather work than do those chores. So <laughs> right. I put those things off and, and try to schedule time to do those instead of having that take away from my work. That's right. Yeah. But I do run the risk of continuing to work. Like I'll get into a great flow and then I don't want to stop to make dinner. Yes. Yes. I, I frequently find myself having to remind myself to eat or like, what have I eaten today? Oh, I yes. had, you know, a sandwich at like 11 and it's like 4 PM. Yeah. That's all I've eaten all day. And so, yeah, I think, but, and that's, that's important. And at the same time, you got to be careful with that too, because it's that same enthusiasm and drive that can sometimes take over the other thing. You know, maybe you're not going to miss doing the dishes or cleaning the house, but you're going to miss, gosh, I, I'm, I'm late to pick up my kids or I haven't had a date night with my spouse for, right. for, you know, four months. And I haven't gone to the gym in six months because I'm too busy. I, and, and I get it. Like you may love it. You may mm-hmm. absolutely love what you do, but at some point I think you got to also look at, okay, I love it, but is too much, too much here. And is, is there a negative consequence to that? Right. Like you said, where is life? Yeah. It's not just all about work and our business. If we got into business, at least in great part to have freedom and control over our lives, if, if we don't have a life outside of the business, then honestly, what are we doing it for? Right. I mean, the, the biggest purpose, now there are many purposes to our business yes. and it can serve many functions, but I think the biggest one we have to be considerate of is like the purpose of business is to provide us the life we want. Right. And so, so take a look at that, you know, and I think, you know, I once someone challenged me on this once and I, and this may rustle some feathers, but I thought of this and it, I think if you're perpetually busy now, I listen, I know there are busy seasons of life and in business, but if you're perpetually, you're always, you're chronically busy. I think you got to kind of look back at the drawing board and say like, you know, am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. Um, we once had a student who was, who was very, very proud of himself and he held his chest up high that he may, had made over a million dollars that year, but he was working over 70 hours a week. Mm. And we said, okay, that's great. Meanwhile, the rest of his life is burning down. Mm. But what, that doesn't impress me. I said, what if, what if you could make that in, you know, 30 hours a week or 20 hours a week, that would be more impressive. And so he took that as a challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think the bar for success maybe needs to shift a little bit, or maybe it's a different bar. Like it's not just how much money you make and how much you work and wearing busyness is a badge of honor, but like, are you successful in all parts of life and you make the money you want? Like, I don't think you have to choose. I think you can, you can have both. Right. Yeah. And, and what you said there, I think is really important. The money you want, because Traditionally, success has been defined for us. Mm. Make 
X amount of money. And that's the only definition of success. And well, in the past, entrepreneurship was not a definition of success. You know, it was be a CEO, be, you know, or a top yeah, executive, exactly. you know, yeah, yeah, have a corner office, that type of thing, or be a doctor or an attorney and be a partner and all of that. But today we get to define success for ourselves and being an entrepreneur is one of those definitions. And so when we become an entrepreneur, we really do need to define success for ourselves. And what amount of money do we want to make? And how much time do we want to spend with our families? Do we want to travel? What does life look like for us that would make us feel successful? Because honestly, it's not just an amount of money. Okay. So you're making a million dollars a year. What does that do for you? Yeah. Like you yeah. said, if his if the rest of his life is burning down, does he really feel successful? And and yeah, are you I mean, are you even available mentally, physically, time-wise to enjoy the fruits of your labor? You know, I love what you said because it reminds me of Christopher Morley's quote. He says, um, there's only one definition of success to be able to spend your life your own way. Mm. And I'm like, and that's kind of what it's what it's all about. And you know, sometimes when people say like hey, they'll and listen. I'm all about having aspirational goals and, yes. you know, Hey, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars this year, 250, a million, whatever it is. But when you say that you kind of automatically are telling me that you haven't given it, you don't have a vision because your vision, which is your ideal life in all these different areas may have a price tag. And it's usually very specific. It's not exactly a hundred thousand dollars or $250,000. It's, it's tied to an amount. So that's important information for you to know if you're creating your business and you, you have to decide uh, how much you need to make and you, you take the appropriate actions. Well, if your vision says I make $125,000 a year, that is really important. $125,000 a year and you can live every part of your life that you want to. That's important information for your business. And that's why we have people create their vision first and then the business second. That's great. Okay. So let's get into that and, and some tips Yeah, uh, because we're talking about how to work less and make more. Yep. And maybe we should actually call it like uh, like create your vision and achieve it. Yeah. Because part of that is working less and making more. Because if you want to live the life that you set out to live, that's part of your vision. That really does require working less. It does. It does. Very few people not everybody. I don't want to, I can't, you know, paint the picture for everybody because, you know, everyone has their own individual vision, but most people cannot work a full-time job or full-time in their business and do everything else they want to do. Right. And sometimes like when somebody comes to me and they're like, Hey, you know, one of the exercises we do, for instance, um, and this would be valuable for anybody to give it a shot is like, you take it, take a calendar and write down all the things you want to do first mm-hmm. and put them on the calendar. And it doesn't really matter where you put it. We're just trying to figure out like, how much time these things take. Mm-hmm. And once you put those things on there, see how many blocks are left open for work and how many hours you have left that you can live your vision and get your work done and make the money you need. So like, say for instance, you need $125,000 a year, like we mentioned, and you put everything down on that calendar and you have 20 hours a week left that you can work. Okay, well, that's awesome because that really helps you understand what you have to do in the business to, to generate that money. But more importantly, it's like, hey, I don't, what area of your life do you want to compromise if you're going to work more than that? Do you want to give up 
the time with your spouse or the time with your kids or going to the gym or your quiet time. Like, and it makes it much more tangible to see that in front of you so that you can start to really understand the dynamic of what you are giving up if you work more than your vision allows. That's awesome. That reminds me of Stephen Covey's from his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he talks about imagining it like your time, like a jar, and you have Mm. to put the big stones, I think, in the big rocks in first. And if, if the little pebbles are the the things that like aren't so important and aren't so urgent, but they're the things that we tend to do first. Well, they're going to take up all that space. And then there are, there's no room for the big rocks, the most important things in your life. That's exactly what you're talking about. But I love that idea of actually putting them in your calendar. That well, makes so much more sense. But it's it's so counterintuitive too, right? Because usually we're like, hey, from nine to five is my work time and then I'll put in the rest of life. No, do it differently. Yeah. Reverse that. Put down the things you want to do first mm-hmm. and then you see how much time is left for work. Yeah. Especially as an entrepreneur because we can control our schedules. Oh, absolutely. To a great degree. I mean, if uh, yeah. you are doing something where the only time clients are available is from blah time to blah time, then you're going to have to be available then too. But on the whole, we get to control when we're working. So that's that's totally true. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Okay. So what else do you well, I know you, you asked, and I, and I kind of went on a, ro- a diversion there, but you asked about tips, for instance, yeah. like how to actually do this. So the first, the first thing, like, so we, we developed a process, we call it seeding your business. Like think of a, think of a seed that grows a, a plant or a tree, but we're going to spell it S-E-A-D. And this stands for the strategic elimination is the E, automation is the A, and D is delegation. So you're seeding your business. Now, here's the rule. This is a golden rule that, that as you use this process, you follow. And it's this, it's you never delegate something you can automate and you never automate anything you can eliminate. And so what this means is we start off with elimination. And by the way, that's the same. Now we'll talk about strategy in a second. Um, Elimination is first, then we see what we can automate, then we see what we can delegate. Um, Delegation is admittedly the most challenging for most people. And there's a lot more variables to consider there. Um, but the, the first letter of that whole acronym is S, which is stands for a strategic. And all that means is we're consulting our vision on what we're going to have our business look like. And so let's say now the, the big, the biggest, I should say rocks to use, you know, the metaphor you mentioned earlier are going to be like, Hey, how much, how much time do I want to work in my business? How much money do I need to make? Um, what do I really like to do? What am I good at? Like this is, and you know, these are, and what purpose and mission do, do I want my business to serve? Those are kind of the, the biggest, the biggest parts of the strategy. And that's important because you need to know which parts of your business you're going to do those other three actions with. And yeah. so the, the strategy is really where, where you you figure out, okay, this is what I want my business to look like in an ideal world. Here's what I'd be doing this. I wouldn't be touching these things over here. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the starting point. That's amazing. I love that acronym and the idea of it. it. You've already got my mind working about, all right, what would I eliminate from my business? Yeah. It's, and so here's the thing though. This is, this is, so what we, so one of the recommend, this, here's a great exercise for, for your folks to try. So 
there, if you've ever used a mind map, like I'm, I'm a mind map nerd. Like I, I love mind maps. If you've never used one, it's basically like a tree diagram with the branches continually diverging. And so what you do is you, you kind of diagram out your entire business, all the roles, all the responsibilities, what you do, like say, Hey, who, everything from like, who's sending out our marketing pieces to who's designing a postcard to who's getting our mailing list to who's tracking follow-ups and whatever, whatever it is, whatever your business looks like. And then you look at that and you circle the things you actually want to do. Like, let's say that you had the world's perfect employee who was a ninja at that particular skill you wanted to get rid of better than you. What would you do? What would you do? Like, what are the things you'd choose? And sometimes business owners, and, and after we do that, we said, okay, now circle all the ones that you are currently doing. And usually like, oh, it's, the, it's, it's all of them usually, <laughs> right? It's usually. And so that's, that's going to give you kind of the potential tasks, activities, roles, and responsibilities that you can now give to somebody else or automate or eliminate. Right. And so, right. so that's kind of like how you, how you start to take the strategy and, and, and uh, transition it into action. And so um, once you do that now, now elimination is the first step. Um, okay. And the reason that's important is because bi- the, the simpler your business is, the better off you are. I can tell you, um, I've have had businesses that have needed, you know, over $65,000 a month just to break even. Mm. And that's, that's a lot of stress, like, yeah. especially, you know, and so, so the simpler you can keep things, the better you are. And, and why would you try to automate or delegate something you can totally get rid of? Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. And so that's where that process starts. Awesome. So after you've circled the things then that you want to do, then would you go through and identify what what you can eliminate? Yes. Is yes. that the the next thing then you would do? Yep. And so so I think the easiest way to do this is when you have that mind map in front of you, I would just put an E next to the things you can get rid of. Now, okay. for criteria, you start look at things like, you know, and when you eliminate something, it could be everything from maybe a, a, a subscription or a service you no longer use. It could be mm. a position. It could be a product or an offering that maybe doesn't serve you or it's not producing what you know it should um, or that you thought it would be able to. And, and now it's draining resources from you, from you or your company that could be utilized better somewhere else. Maybe it's taken a whole lot of time and you no longer enjoy it. Or, you know, there's, there's a lot of criteria here. I, I, I generally recommend like kind of thinking of the 80, 20 rule when it comes to this, like, let's look at the things that, you know, are, are, are the bottom, the bottom 20% of like this, this isn't producing for us. And you just put it, put an E next to it. Then you could also, at this stage, you wouldn't necessarily haven't done anything yet, but we're still classifying and, and categorizing. I would also put an E, sorry, an A and a D next to the other things. Now, so automation is when I say automation, I'm referring to the to the use of technology and softwares and things like that to to um to do tasks for you now. I love automation, quite frankly, is my favorite, like, because I'm, I'm just, an, I'm a nerd at heart and I, and I love setting this stuff up. Um, but you have to know like how to do that particular process before you automate it. Cause like, if you set it up wrong, like now you just like created a disaster and you know, yes. it's like, you know, the, the wrong thing can, can create a mess. And that's, that's the automation and delegation basically is you need, you need a human to do it. You need a person to do it. Right. So yeah, you can automate an email sequence for onboarding a new client. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you want to be careful about how you do that. You need to get it, things in the right order. And, you do. Yeah. Well, and, and also I'd say about automation, it's, it's like a, it's a, when I started this, like, so we use um, Keep. 
K-E-A-P. Mm. It used to be called Infusionsoft. And, and oh, okay. I'm kind of- oh, They changed the name. They did. They did. Um, mm. And I've, I've kind did of- Did they make it easier? <laughs> no. So it's still the nickname Confusionsoft. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's what it used to, Yeah. People used to yeah. joke around with it. Like, yep. And what I found though, is like when I dove into it, it's automation is something that is constantly being improved and tweaked. Like, so for instance, like just, just here recently within LifeNair, I, you know, entrepreneurs, we get these ideas all the time. Like, and we, you got to write them down, right? Don't, don't think you're going to remember it because you're not write it down. So for instance, we got these two events and what I thought of I'm like, Hey, you know, what'd be cool is if like, after they came to an event, they got a, an event completion certificate. Mm. So I set up the automation that they get a PDF with this certificate um, that said, you know, congratulating them. Like, the, you know, a couple of days, I scheduled it in the automation to give it to them three days after they attend. And it's, I'm like, that's just a little cool tweak. Like literally today I was thinking about, so we, you know, we have our podcast and I'm always looking for, for guests and for stories and for success and stuff like that. And so I'm like, I just had the idea today. I'm like, hey, after someone comes to one of our events, what if I send them an email six months later to get a survey on what they've done since the event hasn't made a change for them. Like, you know, and if so, tell us about it. And then I can automate a system to say like, Hey, if it's, if it's, if it's good, I get notified. And then I would reach out to that person or, well, I wouldn't, this is a delegation, right? Right. Our, Our staff would reach out to them and say, Hey, this sounds like an awesome story. Would you be interested to be a guest on our podcast? And so again, I'm just thinking like, where can I automate things that I don't want to do or that it would be better that technology could do it for us. Right. That's great. So are, do you have any other suggestions for what you can automate and delegate? Because it sounds like the automation and delegation can really be combined because yeah. once you have hired some team members, then there are more and more things that we need to delegate and stop doing ourselves. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, so aut- automation, I think, is the, is the easier of the two. Um, mm-hmm. once you set it up and you've tested it because it's done the same exact way every single time and you you can just let it go and, it, and it'll work delegation. And, and by the way, I also think there's a little bit less of a, a little bit less of a mental hang up with automation. Like sometimes people are like, well, I don't want it to seem impersonal. And mm-hmm. I don't, I think if you do automation correctly, it will feel more personal yeah. because I know for me, like I have forgotten to follow up with people, but if I can set up automation to send me a reminder, well, th- now, now I do that. And so it's more personal. Right. Yeah. And that, that's a great example of an automation. The automation doesn't always have to be sending an automatic email. It can be a trigger to remind you to follow up. That's right. For sure. Yep. Yep. I do those uh, quite a bit. Um, and, you know, for instance, like uh, I have a, I have a timer set up at different intervals for our members that I reach out to them and say, Hey, how are things going? Like, so, you know, for instance, like 30 days, six months, I'm, I'm calling them, checking up on them. And so, so that's, that helps us be better. You know, I've also set up automation. This is going to sound silly, but like I have an automation set up that says like, Hey, the first of the month I'm going to, Hey, don't forget, pull the, here's, here's your stats for your, your, your income and your profit and loss, mm-hmm. uh, income statement, profit and loss. Look at your balance sheet. Remind, and it just reminds me to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, Absolutely. that's another, yeah. So, yeah. So that, that you're totally right with that. Um, delegation is interesting because this is where people oftentimes have a lot of limiting beliefs or they've had a bad experience in the past because like, Hey, you know, nobody cares about business. Like I do, you can't mm-hmm. trust people. Nobody works anymore. It's quicker for me to do it, right? Exactly. Like all it's quicker of for me to do it than train someone else yeah. to do it. It's totally, listen, and I, they're all valid at some point, yeah. but here's the problem. Like if you don't 
take this on, you are destined to be a, a one man, one woman show. Yeah. Like you're the circus conductor, you're the juggler, you're the trapeze artist, you're, you're, you're holding the lines off with it, with a chair. Like yeah. it's, you're doing it all. And that's not a business. And it's, yeah. uh, it can be, it can be very fulfilling to do that for a short term, but like in the long term, I think you're going to burn out and you're not going to produce what you're capable of. Um, the sing and so so technically speaking for for like real tangible tips number one is you always want to have some sort of training set up in advance ideally mm -hmm. for that person coming in now if you don't like some people are like and, and listen i don't want you to wait to hire somebody until you have this but let's yeah. say you don't have it okay all you need to do is video record yourself training this person and then one of the first tasks that, that person is going to do for you is going to take that and translate it into an SOP. Mm -hmm. Put it in Google Drive. Use a shared drive and you create an SOP, a standard operating procedure for that task, that whatever that project thing you're having them do. And now you start to develop your library. And over time, the great thing about this is like every person that comes in subsequently now has something to go off of so you don't have to train them again. Yeah. Um, so that, oh, yeah. that works really well. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, and so let me, let me, this is, this is probably also that tip along with this is probably some of the most beneficial things I can, I can think of. Don't make the assumption that just because you are good at a task, that also means you are good at training somebody, you're good at hiring, you're good at managing, you're good at screening, like they're completely different tasks. And what I see almost not, not. 100% of the time, but 90% of the time, someone's a, a, a great X and somebody else is coming in to fill that position and they are, they, it goes horribly wrong. And it's because they didn't realize those tasks, those, those skills, I should say, are different. Yeah. Like your ability to inspire somebody, to lead somebody, to train somebody have very little to do with actually that task itself. And so you have to develop these skills as if you're going to be a business leader, if you're going to be a business owner, um, not just an operator, mm -hmm. you gotta learn these skills and, and give them their due because many times I see, you know, these horror stories I hear, it's the fault of the person who hired him and they trained him. They didn't train him well. They didn't, they didn't screen him correctly in the front end. They didn't, they didn't take all these steps and they just picked the first person that they got along with, or they liked, or had a good personality or who is like them. That's a, that's another habit we all tend to do. Like, Hey, yeah. this person's cool. I could get a beer with them. Right. Well, that doesn't mean necessarily that's the right person for the job. Yeah. And so you got to develop those skills. Yeah. And those are tough skills to develop. Like we, we go are. into business because we love what we're doing or yeah. Other people will go into business because they love the big vision and, and they're like a CEO at heart and they'll immediately hire people. But even those people aren't necessarily good managers. We have to put that manager hat on. It's so true. It's so true. Like, you know, Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth is exact, talks about exactly about this, right? Like exactly. you're great at baking cupcakes. That doesn't mean anything about you you're running a cupcake business, a right. bakery, right? Right. You've got to be able to be the CEO, the manager and the technician. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's and tough. So it's and so that is and it's a paradigm shift because you know i think a lot of us are so used to being in the trenches that it takes a, and then sometimes you miss those things like and you you know you don't so when i when i first started getting rid of a lot of the responsibilities off my plate and i'm constantly doing it by the way it's a process you're not going to do it all at once do it one small thing at a time and see how it goes right you're not going to just turn over the keys of the kingdom on day one but at first I was like, man, what am I, what am I going to do? Like, I don't, I, I feel kind of less important and people didn't mm -hmm. have to come to me anymore. And like, you know, and, and, uh, it, it over, 
it was weird at first, but now like, it's so freeing. Like I can take days off. I can do whatever I want. I can focus on the things I want to focus on. I'm not stuck in the minutia. Um, and it's just, a, it's just total, it's a, it's a challenging transition for a lot of people, but it's so worth it. It's so worth yeah. it. That's great. So would you mind recommending or, okay, it doesn't have to be recommendations, but sharing a few tools as in like software that yeah. you've used, either you use currently or have used in the past. Yep. So, so for software, for us, depending on what, what it is we use, for instance, we use keep, keep the CRM, um, which is actually it doubles as a, as a CRM in a marketing tool. Um, and it's, it's for automation. It's fantastic. I love it. Um, for tasks for our team. Um, we've experimented with a couple different ones in the past right now we're using Asana and it works. It, it actually works fairly well. Like we're, and we're on a low level program. It's very inexpensive and that allows us to all coordinate. I can see what people are doing. I can, I can have different lists of things I'm checking up on with people and people are giving me reports. Um, we use Google drive a lot. And um, we have switched over. So back in the back in the day, they had my drive, which mm-hmm. had ownership of each of the files and the fo- and the and the folders. That's a problem for business because you really want the company to own it or the entity. And so if somebody quits, you don't want them taking a document or an important piece of information with them. And so we've shifted over to shared drives, and we have all of our SOPs in there. And that's been very valuable for the SOPs. Um, we use Loom a lot. So mm. for, for our video trainings, um, yeah. when, we're, when we're training people coming in, we're like, hey, go, go check out this Loom video. Mm. Um, and we'll embed that in the Google Doc mm. as well for that. Um, what other technology do we use? Uh, we use Schedule Once for when we've integrated that with Keep for our, our appointments, our calls. Um, Zoom, Zoom like you. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Some of these are, yeah, pretty basic. I mean, keep is, yeah, like you said, confusion soft. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, the others are totally manageable. Yeah. And, and if, if anybody decides to go into, to use keep, um, I, so I, I, I'll just speak on this for a second. Like I was terrified. I, I literally didn't even want to log in because I was so scared of the software. And there were two places I found um, that were super. And the, the, there's one that's called Monkey Pod Marketing by a guy named Greg Jenkins. It's literally like $35 a month for like this incredible training and everything else. Um, that was super helpful for me, as well as uh, I had a couple guys at Box Out Marketing that helped me with Infusionsoft tremendously. They did a, tr- a fantastic job. And so, that's great. so now, so don't let that stuff get in the way. Like if if yeah. something's new to you, like you know, give it, give it a shot and don't, don't be scared to dive in. Cause I mean, I, early on, I tried to hire a consultant for uh, actually a couple of different consultants for, for, uh, Infusionsoft and it didn't go well. Cause I didn't know enough about the software to, and they didn't know enough about my business. And so it, it just, I didn't get the results I was looking for. Right. Um, and so you, you got to have some level of understanding of each different component of your business. Not everything. Like I'm, I'm not a web developer, but I yeah. know enough to tell my guy what we need done or have my staff tell them. Yeah. And so I think you got to, you know, a little bit of, of each thing. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Especially the, the smaller you are, you know, so if you're just starting out and if you're really hands-on to begin with, you really do need to have a greater understanding of each one yeah. so that you like, you know, if you just have a team member or two, then you really do need to understand more. It doesn't have to be everything about every uh, automation. Right. Automation You'll never be an product. expert in everything. Right. Um, and yeah. it's okay. Like, I think it's okay when you first start off, it's okay that you're doing everything, but you just don't want to stay there. 
Right. You know? Um, and so, so I think it's, it's, you know, if you're doing, if you're still establishing proof of concept, like, Hey, can I make this business work? Um, you know, and, and, and having that understanding of your business, like is important and you kind of want to get your, your hands dirty, but at some point you, if you want to grow you, it can't be on your back. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, like we talked about freedom earlier in the mm-hmm. episode and that's important. But number two, you know, I get a buddy named, his name is Russ. He lives in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He got brain cancer, gosh, eight years ago now. He is, he's, it's removed. He's in remission, but he, he still has psychological challenges mm-hmm. and, and he has a mental fog constantly. And he, and he pulled me aside. He's like, man, the one thing I wish I did was create a business that did not depend on me. And he didn't like, and and this thing was completely dependent on him. And so now, you know, his wife is supporting the family and they're struggling. And that's just a, it's just a reminder to me, like, yeah, like you want the freedom for the fun stuff, but also when things go sideways and and life throws you a curveball, like it's just, it's just a, a form of insurance of sorts. Definitely. That makes sense. I talked about that with another guest a while ago that Mm. creating systems and you don't want to think about things going wrong like that, like illness, but we need to, we definitely need to. It happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and and let's say you're compromised. Like uh, the last thing you want to deal with is trying to recover from something and worry about money at the same time. Yeah. Like you don't want, you don't want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So all right. Anything else you want to share before we finish up here? I'm going to I, ask you about how people can. All right. So let, yeah. let me go ahead and ask then. How can people find you if they want to learn more at work? Yeah. Like, so I'd say if you want, if, so if, you, if you're interested, just go to lifeinair.com. Just think of the word millionaire except with life. So L-I-F-E-O-N-A-I-R-E.com. Or we have a private Facebook group, which is quite frankly, just a community of people that are all there to encourage and help each other and support each other along along their bu- business, their entrepreneurial and their life vision pursuits. Um, those are the best best ways. Um, and you know, we have we have two events. We have a Get a Life Getaway, which focuses on your vision. And, and we encourage people to go that first. And then the Business Builder Workshop, which is where we talk about the seed process and dive into people's businesses as well. Um, but, but the thing I want to say is really just encourage everybody who's listening, like this is, this is attainable. You just kind of, kind of, you got to shift the, your measure of success and look at all different areas. And instead of just trying to excel in, in one area or a couple different areas, like let's look at all of them. But, and yeah, I know there's, you can't focus on everything all at once. And I, I understand that, but like at some point you want every part of your life and your business to kind of be like, you know, to, to be a get to, like you want to, you want to have a lot of get to's in your life, not a lot of have to's. And so, yeah. I just encourage, you know, your listeners, this is, this is hundred percent possible. And I see it, I see it every day. And so that's, that's, I think what entrepreneurship is really all about. And if you're always busy, you're always working, your spouse is complaining that you're never there. Your kids don't, don't know you. I I'd, I'd almost suggest that you're, you're, you're misusing your gift of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a better way to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was wonderful and so much fun chatting with you, Jason. Thanks for having me on, Kelly. Absolutely. And thank you all for being here today. I'd love it if you would leave a positive rating and review. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone. I will be back in a few days. So I'll see you next time on the Marketing Chat Podcast.